When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the latest edition of ESPN SC. I'm Dan Thomas, joined in the studio today by Ali Moreno and Stevie Nicker. We'll start with Stevie's former side, Liverpool, who weren't very good today as they took on Arsenal. Arsenal would win the big game in the Premier League by three goals to one, deservedly so. We'd see Saka open the scoring. And then a strange old own goal from Gabriel. This was just on the stroke of half-time. A half that Liverpool hadn't shown up in. However, they were slightly better in the second half. But then a mistake would see Martinelli score to make it 2-1. Who do you blame for that goal, by the way, Stevie? Van Dijk or Alisson? No, absolutely Van Dijk. Uh, not only is... If you look at his body language, he's basically telling Alisson to come and clear it. Right. And then right at the death, he gets his body in the way of Alisson, which is why Alisson whiffs on the ball. So... Yeah, 100%. Nigel Van Dijk. Uh, late on as well, you could question Alisson's goalkeeping as Trossard makes it 3-1, and that's how it would finish at the Emirates. Let's hear from Mikael Arteta and Jurgen Klopp after the game. Arsenal deserves the three-point, no, no doubt about that. They scored three, and we had one shot on target, so that's obviously the, the one stat which probably shows the most. Um, we should have had more of that. We could have had more of that, but because of the story of the game it didn't happen. It was an extraordinary game. I think it was an incredible performance uh, from the players and from our people. The atmosphere that we generated in the stadium is the best I've seen this season. We demanded that we had to go to a different level and connect it again to the demands that this league has in every game. And they have responded in an unbelievable way. And I think the players left absolutely everything. They put their heart and soul in every single ball. And I cannot be any prouder because I know how difficult it is to beat this team, how much you have to suffer, all the preparation, and, and how much they have to process to try to, to do what we've done today on the pitch. So, big thank you. So what does that mean? Well, it's, you could argue it's a good, good move for Manchester City, isn't it? So Arsenal then move up to second in the table. Two points now adrift of Liverpool. Manchester City have two games in hand, one of which, of course, is on Monday against Brentford. Let's welcome into the show. Luis Garcia remains with us. Kieran Gibbs as hey. well. Kieran, before we start with Grumpy Pants, let's get to you. <laughs> you must be delighted. Oh, over the moon, Dan. And I'm... I'm even happier to see Stevie as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not. They really needed that. Um, listen, not just the result, but but the performance as well. It was one of those games with such a big build-up at this stage of the season as we approach uh, the crunch time. And, and to dominate in, in such a way and put yourself right back in the mix, it would just it would do them a world of good. I think it's a, it's a big statement. There's still many more tests to come. But it's just it's a big step forward. It seems like a big step forward in terms of you know learning from from last season. Um, and I think the timing of, of that game and that that result um, will, will be just what they need for for the rest of the season. How much credit do you want to give Arsenal for this win, Stevie? Oh, every credit. I I, I don't like the word dominate. I, I don't think that's correct at all. I think Arsenal and and Arteta got this absolutely spot on the way they went about the game. 
They basically said to Liverpool, you can have the ball until you get the halfway line and then we're going to hunt you down and then we're going to get after you. And that's what they did. And Liverpool, they couldn't handle the ball well enough. They kept coughing it up. Uh, and Arsenal, with the pace they have going forward, got after them, particularly down the Alexander-Arnold side with Martinelli. Um, and they get, and they, get the, the, they end up with three goals, but they, they did it. They absolutely did it tactically the right way and the perfect way for what they have. And Liverpool offered nothing in resistance, to be honest. They passed the ball sideways. They passed it, they passed it slowly. Mm. Now, I guess, you know, when you, when you see the team sheet and you see that you've got Gravenberg in for Slobislai and you've got Gakpo in for Nunes, if I'm Arsenal, when I look at that, that absolutely fits into how we're going to play this game. Because neither of the two of them, I think, have the, have the, the, the adventure of the game to, to break down a, a side that was so well balanced, so well organised, and as I said, went about it perfectly. Made the challenges, closed it down at the right time, and then got after Liverpool. And Liverpool, for most of the game, or pretty much every time Arsenal went at them, they looked vulnerable. And again, a lot of that, for me, is down to Canati having to do two jobs, basically. You know, because Alexander-Arnold, as great as he is on the ball going forward, he's a liability defensively. You know, he, he, he can't defend one-on-one, -on -one, and he doesn't get in good positions to stop Martinelli it was today, getting the ball. And so Canati ends up having to do two jobs. He's got to play centre-back, and he's got to be covering the right-back position constantly. So defensively, Arsenal took advantage of Liverpool. Um, but yeah, this, this, was, this was a performance from Arsenal. Uh, Jorginho and Rice, of course, we saw starting in the centre, uh, Kieran, which worked brilliantly. Yeah, and it was a big call to, to put Jorginho in. I, I thought he was brilliant today, the way he orchestrated the game. Um, you know, Rice was consistent as ever, but, you know, that's that's what Jorginho was brought in to, to the club to do, and he's done it, you know, perfect timing. I thought Havertz was a real presence up top today. He made it um, he made it really difficult for the centre-halves, and, you know, Martellini, as Stevie said, was just relentless yet again. Um, I do. I, I love the, the the substitution of Trossard. Like I've just loved it ever since he's come. Um, I think he's so unlucky not to have gotten more game time. But um, you know, I love his balance. The way he comes on, he he reads the game so well, um, and he, he's put it to bed today. So Stevie's right. I think that the tactical decisions of Arteta today was were, were spot on. Um, and you know, I, I feel like just overall, we really did see what we saw a lot of last season from, from this Arsenal side. So, you know, that it was everything Mikel would have wanted um, and, and he's got it. And it's, it's, uh, it really came down to nerve and concentration and Liverpool just felt short. While the tactical decisions may have been correct from Mikel Arteta and there is no question in that or doubt in that because the start of the game was outstanding from Arsenal's perspective. You also have to say that the, on the other side, Liverpool start to the game. Awful. They play right into the hands of everything that Arsenal and Mikel Arteta would have wanted them to do. Not only were they slow in the possession, they're taking way too many touches on the ball. Just, just one, two touch, one touch, 
two touch, three touch, four touches. McAllister turning the ball over. Gravenberg turning the ball over. Alexander turning the ball over in a bad area. And it's happening all over the midfield, which then feeds into exactly what Arsenal were trying to do. Now we're forcing a turnover. Now we're going. The crowd believes that we're capable of this. Mikel Arteta is running down the sidelines. Everything is happening on the terms that were set by Arsenal and Liverpool never really settled down, certainly in the first half. The first 20 minutes of the second half was a different story from Liverpool's perspective. To the point of Alexander-Arnold, in that first half, there is a sequence midway through the first half in which Martinelli grabs the ball right around the, mid, the midfield strike. And there is not even an attempt. I understand if you're a bad defender, okay, and I, I suppose we all accepted this about Alexander-Arnold, but there isn't even an effort an attempt to defend Martinelli. Martinelli didn't even have to make a move. Didn't, didn't even have to drop with the shoulder or something, step over, do something, force him into an area, nothing. He just ran right by him, and that now forces the situation that Stevie's talking about where other players have to pull themselves out of position, and it all creates a whole chain of events. Konate gets himself out of position. Van Dijk now has to cover Konate, and everybody comes across, and there's always going to be a space, and that's a space that Arsenal were taking advantage of time and time again, certainly in the first half. Uh, Luis, what's epitomised Liverpool's brilliance of late? And we talk about this, is their directness. Like, as Ali was saying, it was all very kind of sideways today. It's almost as if they decided to change things. I don't know why they did for such a big match. Yeah, I think the intensity that we saw when they play against Chelsea wasn't there. The ideas, the arguments that they, they provide... They were not there at all. You, we saw a totally different Diogo Jota in the games against Chelsea. The same with um, with McAllister into the middle. The situation, of course, is totally different. When you guys talk about Konate and Alexander Arnold, that you can kind of uh, get away when you play against Wolf, or you can play against other teams there where Konate can cover that space of Alexander Arnold. Alexander Arnold goes there to do some different jobs. But when you play against a team that is so well-organized, that it's sitting at the back, that the spaces in between the players is just around 10 meters, where if you're going to control and you're going to turn, you're going to face another player. They had the idea and they knew what they have to do. We're going to open up, we're going to take uh, Liverpool into pieces, and when they are trying to come against us, we are going to uh, defend in a, in a very deep block, but we're going to have speed players to, to go in a counter-attack like when they score in the third one. So the arguments that uh, Liverpool provide in the second half, they were not the ones that we've seen so far from Liverpool. So uh, maybe it's because it was a day. I think the, the manager mentioned it, that today from the very first minute we saw that something was, was wrong, that the, the team wasn't in the, in the right shape. And I've actually, you saw what happened in the first 45 minutes, no intention. Uh, Jorgen mentioned only one shot on time and you could see the ideas were not there uh, at all in the last year. So in the end, when you play against a top, top side that is uh, Arsenal, of course, you're going to get short. And today, it wasn't the label that we've seen. And of course, the three points went to the Arsenal side. Stupid question time. Oh, here we go. <laughs> How much of a miss was Salah, Sobislai in a fit Nunez? Well, I, I, to be honest, you, you can't, you're always going to miss... Real players. Mm. You're always going to miss your best players. And up until this game, Liverpool have compensated for missing Mo Salah. And I think a lot of the reason that they've compensated is because the middle three have gotten them the ball. And you've had Nunes playing through the middle. That's why you've, got, you've been able to cover for Salah. But when you lose Slobazai and you put Gravenberg in, and you lose Nunes and you put Gakpo in, that, that, 
that changes, that completely changes the whole complexion. The, the drop-off from the two that you would play to the two that you do play, and I'm not blaming this on, on these two players, mm. I'm just saying that the drop-off is too big when you're playing against Arsenal and when you're playing against a game that, that, that has it, <laughs> title contenders. It's too big a drop-off. Now, you cannot, you cannot say that Liverpool were anywhere close to what they should be, but at the same time, when you play with players who are not as good as the ones that, that they're replacing, then unfortunately today the drop-off was way too much. And, and the drop-off is not only about the level of play, Stevie. I think in those players that you're mentioning as well, is the drop-off is in the intensity and the personality of Liverpool changes yeah. dramatically. One thing is to talk about, well, can these guys complete a pass from here to there? And then I think a different conversation is the sort of energy, identity, personality of Liverpool that they have with the players that Stevie just mentioned. So Darwin Nunez, whether you like him, love him, whatever, you know he's going to run for you. And he is going to lead the front line. And so he's going to press the defenders. And he's going to harass the Jorginho when he comes and tries to get the ball. All those things weren't exactly happening today from Liverpool, which then allowed Arsenal the freedom to have players turning in, in, in areas in which usually they don't have that time. And so Odegaard is cutting the ball back. Jorginho looks like he is a world beater. They were afforded the time that Arsenal did not afford Liverpool. Today, the personality of Liverpool was different than what we have seen in the past. Having said that, 1-1, you kind of couldn't quite see where the breakthrough was going to come from Arsenal. So, Kieran, how do you explain someone as experienced as Van Dijk making such a high-profile mistake? Well, I mean, he said it in his, in his interview, didn't he, that it was, it was uncharacteristic. Um, It was really strange because I think there's there's two or three things that he could have done in, instead of actually, um, you know, well, what he did. But I felt that when Alisson started to make his move out, he made his decision that, you know, he was going to try and leave it for him. And, you know, that was it. Um, but, yeah, I, I felt maybe he could have, he's such a big guy. I felt he could have used his body and kind of, you know, turned with the outside of his foot. I don't think Martinelli would have been able to compete with him physically on that front. Um, but yeah, it was it was certainly uncharacteristic. But then again, you know, Martinelli's just such a pest. He's such a pest, you know, for constantly for 90 minutes. He forces these errors. And, you know, when he opened his legs up in the first half um, and, and and put the other centre-half, Kunate, under, under, under pressure and put the burners on him, you know, sometimes that creates doubt in, in throughout, throughout their team. Um, and so that, that's the type of player Martinelli is and they're the types you know, of mistakes that he, he can get out of, of defenders because he's just so relentless. Uh, Luis, any problem with Arteta's celebration? No, not at all. I mean, I've, uh, I'm not sure if I would celebrate differently or I would stay the same. I mean, we are talking about, uh, you know that there are small margins and they are really, really a thin line of winning a competition that they've been missed for such a long time. That, of course, he knows what it means to, to win against Liverpool at this exactly moment where Liverpool comes for a fantastic role with a lot of confidence and being in a cruise mode. So I, I totally understand that he celebrates the way he wants and uh, he's done well. So um, nothing to say about it. Kieran, Stevie said he wants to trip him up. <laughs> I'd, love to just, I'd love to just yes. give him one of them. <laughs> uh, Stevie, why does it wind you up? 
I don't like coaches doing all that. We've seen Klopp do it though, haven't we? Yeah, I don't. I don't like when he does it right. either. I, I, I'm. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think. I, I think in situations you have to understand the guy sitting on the other side, and there's not one of us wants the other guy to be doing that, and so that's why you can't do it. That's and whether it's Klopp or anybody else, because it it. You want to go and smash them. <laughs> I'm just telling you. Uh, let's take a look then at what this result means uh, regarding the title. Well, how do you race. feel about it, Stevie? <laughs> uh, as it stands there, Manchester City to defend their title 6-4 to four on. Uh, Liverpool still big favourites ahead of Arsenal 2-1. Uh, to one. Arsenal coming in at 13-2. to two. You take a look at it, of course, five points separate the top three. However, if City win both of their games in hand, then Manchester City will be top of the table in action uh, against Brentford. Does this hand the initiative to Manchester City, Kieran, or just give more hope to Arsenal? I mean, I, I think it just spreads it spreads the board a little bit. I mean, it's, it's exciting for, for for the title race. So that you know, if if they can keep it up for another two or three games, I don't think we would have seen a title race like this for for quite a while. So I'm happy that they've won today, you know, because it's Arsenal. But I'm also happy that they've you know opened it up a little bit to make it a more of an exciting campaign. Um, that being said, I still think that it's cities to lose just purely because of the form that they're in and they're not a normal, um, they're not a normal team in my opinion. They're, they're, they're a super team. So um, I, I, I still think, you know, City, um, City are in the, in the driving seat. Um, but, you know, it's still a long way to go. And, and you know, sometimes a, a game like today um, can really change things. I'm not buying this whole thing that Kieran's just... It's just for the excitement of the Premier League it's and the title here. race. Kieran's just a man uh, of the people. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he wouldn't take a boring <laughs> title for Arsenal? Uh, he just wants it to be exciting for everybody. Get out of here. That's it. I texted my boy and I said, who's a Manchester City fan, I said, what, who do you want to win today? He said, Arsenal. Absolutely. Well, you, you, asked, you asked Shaka yesterday. Yeah. What's the best result for City? And every single one of us said Arsenal winning. No question. And that hasn't changed. He uh, would set his hands. Yeah. They have it in their hands, which yep. of course they didn't going into this. Correct. Um, shall I ask you the percentage question? Yeah, I'm oh. going to ask you the percentage question. Percentage of? Who, how would you chop it up, those three teams, to win the league? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right, here we go. Quick math. <laughs> Well, deciding between how big and how small to make it because there's no question City are the favourites. Okay. So here we go. If I say 50 City, 50 25, 25 Liverpool yes. and uh, Arsenal. That's about right. Yeah. Oh, I think that's probably. Kieran, right. do you agree? I would say 50, 50 uh, City and then 30, 30, 20. 30-20 to Arsenal, obviously, yes, as well. <laughs> just for Stevie, just for Stevie. Because he won again. Luis, how are you divvying this up? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go for 50 for Liverpool. Manchester City still need to win the, the two games. Uh, yeah, it's a fantastic team. And I, I still thinking that there is going to be a lot of, um, of games that then we are going to see them struggling and dropping points. So still a long way to go. Remember that it's Champions League competition coming soon and European competition for Liverpool in this case. But uh, I think that they are going to be dropping points. So I'm going to go for 50 for Liverpool, 30-20.
Liverpool ambassador Luis Garcia. Thank you yeah, very much. Hi, as well. That's how you tow the party line. You don't upset the Liverpool echo like that. <laughs> there you are, you see. That's why you get invited to all these trips. That's where you're going wrong. Good to you, Luis. Luis, thank you very much, mate. Much appreciated. Don't worry, guys. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be exciting. It will be Manchester City against Brentford tomorrow. No surprise. Uh, City of favourites going into that tie. Things just keep getting worse and worse, don't they, for Chelsea. They would actually open the scoring. They would take the lead in the game against the Wolves, but then we see Caicedo lose the ball, and in the end, Cunha would make the most of it to make it 1-0. He would go on and score a hat-trick. Uh, Silva would score a late goal, but in the end, it's all about more disastrous news for Chelsea's fans as they would lose by four goals to two. They now find themselves in the bottom half of the Premier League table, sitting in 11th. For more on this, Kieran still with us. Welcome to Gab Marcotti was actually at oh, the game. Well, Man of the people. Yeah, uh, Gab Marcotti, obviously. What the heck is going on? Uh, I think a lot of people are asking themselves that very same question, Dan. Um, <clears throat> Nico Jackson was back. He came on in the second half. We, we, we saw this new look with, with Nkunku and Palmer. But I think a lot of people are asking themselves, wait a minute. Uh, ultimately, we appreciate you had a lot of injuries in the first part of the season. and uh, But, you know, Fernandez, Moises Caicedo, who, by the way, if you want to go through the full Moises Caicedo thing, he gives the ball away two other times in the first five minutes of the game and, and nearly gifts um, Wolves uh, two goals. Um, they've had time to work on this. They've had time to work on patterns of play. Enzo's been there all season. Caicedo's been there all season. Gallagher's been there all season. Sterling's been there all season. Cole Palmer's been there since uh, uh, August 31st. Uh, so, and yet still, you don't see any progress at all. And, and I think it was interesting from the crowd because, uh, you know, they didn't boo the players. Uh, they sang out Roman Abramovich's name a bunch of times, and they had a serious go uh, at the owners. And, of course, at the manager as well. Speaking of the manager, Stevie, mm. is there anyone that can come in and do a job here? Or is it just a poison chalice for whoever's in charge because of the makeup of this squad? I, I honestly believe it's the makeup of the squad. They've bought the wrong players. And they've bought players who, who, who either they thought would <laughs> get better, uh, but they clearly have bought players that, that are, are not able to produce at Chelsea. I mean, Caicedo and Enzo Fernandez, we're talking over 200 million here between them, and they look like average, ordinary Premier League players who sit in the middle of the park. They don't, they don't, they don't add anything other than they run around and they chase and they try and win the ball. I mean, Conor Gallagher doesn't get anywhere close to any of the top four sides. Raheem Sterling, you, you can't trust this guy. When he steps on the field, you don't know what you're going to get. Sometimes he's good, sometimes he disappears. They don't have a centre-forward. Jackson has, clearly isn't good enough for the Premier League. And Kunku's been out for too long. It's too, too early to judge him. I mean, you can go through the whole team. The two full-backs, I mean, Chilwell's great going forward. Can't defend, save his life. We've just seen the goals there. Mm. They're streaming down the outside. Gusto, right back. Uh, no. I mean, I'm, I'm, again, maybe a bit early to, to judge the goalkeeper, but, you know, you need your goalie to make a save now and again at a, 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 a time that, that helps you. I mean, there's just not Disassi. Yeah. Who, by, who bought him? I mean, you've got, you've got Silver, who's, what, 39? 
I mean, this, this is a bad team. And whoever's picked these players has shown that they're in the wrong job. Uh, you take I mean, your... Mudrick, look at Mudrick. 70 million, right? Can somebody please tell me what this, other than being an Olympic, Olympic sprinter, in football terms, what is he good at? He doesn't score goals. He's got no, what assists has he got? Does he dribble well past players? No. Does he link up with players? No. I mean, what, what does he do? I mean, it, it's, it's, just, it's just a group of players that have been thrown together yeah. and the chemistry doesn't work. And after so long, you've got to say they're not good enough. Uh, Kieran, when you were at Arsenal, you had so many leaders on that pitch that would be a, give you a kick up the backside if things weren't going well. For this Chelsea team, of course, there's so much youth there, but there seems to lack any sort of leadership or kind of togetherness within this team. Yeah, that was the first thing I was going to say, actually. It, it screams just a, a lack of experience and and leadership and you know I'll, listen I won't go through the through the team like Stevie just did I, I think he done it really well he summed it up brilliantly but it's um when you have a, when you have a lack of confidence um in a, in a team you then have to resort and rely on on the older players in the team to 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 try and you know turn the ship around um but yeah there's just no one in there that you look at I mean, Thiago Silva pulled one back today and, you know, he's obviously um, a brilliant player, but you can't just rely on one player. Um, and listen, I think with Chelsea, it's like, you know, the, the, the problem is, is when you have when you have a lack of confidence, you, you can allow time because that happens, right? It's, it, it happens to the very best. But when you have things like a lack of desire, a lack of willingness to, to run and, and track and track players um, and, you know, go that extra yard. You can't allow much time for that at all because it filters quickly throughout the team. And then you just get bad habits. And that, that's what Chelsea have right now. They just have a lot of bad habits and they, they, um, they just look depleted. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough times. It's fascinating to see, really. I don't think in the history of certainly the Premier League, we've seen a club get it quite as wrong as as Chelsea have got it, um, they just, they just got it all wrong. And, you know, it's, it's, with the situation they've got themselves in, it's, it's difficult to see the light at the end of the tunnel with, with the signings they've made, you know, the, the homegrown players that they've lost, they dug themselves a pretty big hole, an expensive hole. And it'd be, be so interesting to see how, where they go from here. Yeah. What's what the, sorry, what, what the heck is going to happen, Gab? Because these guys are on six, seven year contracts. No one's going to come in and pay anywhere near the transfer fees that Chelsea paid. So you're stuck with these guys. What are they going to do? Well, I think what, what the club have briefed is that uh, while a lot of these players cost a lot of money, uh, a lot of them, a lot of the ones that came in in, in the sort of latter Bali, Bali era uh, are actually on relatively low wages. So they're pretty confident that they can sell them. Now, um, are you going to get 70 million back for Mudrik? No. Uh, but the reality is through the magic of amortization, you know, you don't need to get 70 million back in one go. You could get, I don't know, 50 million, maybe. I don't know. I don't even know you get that. Mudrik's probably a bad example. But some of these other guys, <laughs> because they're young, because they're on relatively low wages, Chelsea say. Um, but, but, I mean, I, I was listening to what Kieran said, but I'm sorry, I, were we skirting around the issue of the manager here? Because... 
right, Stevie's managed. You've had you don't have European football. You've had time to work with many of these players. And what's so obvious is there's very, very little in the way of patterns of play. When, when Rightly so, by the way. When Wolves were sitting back and parking the bus, you expect some movement from, from the wingers and from the center forward. And there's almost none. It really is Enzo looking up with his foot on the ball, waiting for some, something to happen. And, and then he tries to force it in and loses the ball. Surely that's on the manager. Surely we can't just go and point fingers at players when we know the players are really young and some of them aren't very good. See, there's one thing people don't understand about coaching. You can spend as many hours as you want on the field with a player, showing them time and time and time and time again where to be, what you should be thinking about. But see, when the whistle goes... The amount of times that players don't do the thing you've told them a thousand times, Gab, would absolutely astound you. There's a difference between an, on a training field and setting things up and showing players, you know, where your starting position is, you know, where, where, the, where you want to be and, and if you're a defender, where the, where the, the forward is and, and all of these things and walking them through it because I've done it a hundred times. But then when the, when the whistle goes... Something happens. That's the difference between the good players and the, and certainly in the professional ranks, the difference between the guys at the top mm. and the guys who make a living out of it. The guys at the top, you tell them once. The proper players, you tell them once, maybe twice, and, and that's it. But the other guys, they don't get it ever. They never get it. And unfortunately, just because somebody spends 50 million on you, doesn't mean that you're going to get it. It should, but clearly these guys at Chelsea don't get it because there is absolutely no way that Pochettino is not is not talking to them constantly, doing the doing certain patterns of play and all other things. It's an impossibility he's not doing that. It's down to the players when that that whistle goes. Something happens between maybe, the years. Maybe as a byproduct of the fact that they don't get it, Stevie. What I see from this team is. There is such fragility to this group. They could be controlling a game. It could feel like they're playing well. And one bad thing happens or one negative thing happens. And it, 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 they melt. They kill they, 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 Yeah, they fall apart. And they fall apart not in one sequence. They fall apart throughout the match. And there is no getting it back together. And so I see a team that... Is fragile mentally because there is a lack of confidence. I see a team that is fragile as a whole because they know, they, they hear it all the time, and now they have confirmation given their performances that they're not good enough. And so it all sort of feeds itself into this vicious circle of we think we're not good. We now get confirmation that we're not good. We don't have the answers to the questions. How do we get out of this? Uh, I don't know, because he doesn't know. I don't know. He doesn't know either. And therefore, we all accept our fate. And our fate is to continue to lose games like this. It is a terrible place to be as a club and as a player. Gab, if you get your wish and Pochettino is sacked, then who do you want to come in? Who can come in and fix this mess? 
I don't know. Like, it's not my wish for Pochettino to, to, to be sacked. It's my wish for Pochettino to do better. Uh, it's my wish that maybe Chelsea had looked a little bit closer, maybe at what happened uh, in the final kind of 18 months of his regime at, at Tottenham and indeed during his entire uh, stint at, at Paris Saint-Germain and asked themselves, you know, was he right for this, for this group of players? Um, I, I, I think it's a very valid question. And, and look, and I appreciate what Stevie said about, you know, you can coach them up, but then when they go onto the field, they, they, if they don't listen, they don't listen. Well, you know what? I watched Brighton last year. I saw Moises Caicedo listening for a very good coach, Roberto De Zerbi. I, I saw Cole Palmer and Raheem Sterling listen for a very good coach in uh, Pep Guardiola. I even saw Enzo Fernandez listening when he was at Benfica for, 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 for Roger Schmidt. So I, I can't really understand and say, oh, but these guys are all dum-dums who don't listen. Well, you know, they obviously listen to some coaches. He has to find the right message and find a way through to them to get them to execute. Yeah, but that's why we talk about putting a team together with different personalities and different... You know, Caicedo Kai might be a fragile individual. You know, he might look like Mr. Hardman on the field, but actually inside he might be a fragile individual who, at Brighton, amongst, amongst a group that looks after him and, and everybody knows the role and, and they all get it, and then he's put in a position where the team's struggling and because he's a fragile individual... It's not quite happening. These things happen. That's why we talk about you need to... The best teams have got all kinds of different characters and different individuals. And when you stick a load, particularly a load of young guys in, with no experience, then without help, they're not going to rise at all. And it pretty much looks like that right now. Um, Chelsea playing midweek, of course, in the Carabao... Uh, not in the Carabao Cup, in the FA Cup. They're in the Carabao Cup final. It is the FA Cup replay as they take on Aston Villa on Wednesday. That game will be live on ESPN Plus. Me and Stevie in the studio to take you through that at 2.30 Eastern. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
In the early game in the Premier League, Manchester United will beat West Ham by three goals to nil. Gone after with a brace, it would be Rasmus Hoyland who had opened the scoring. Great finish from him as United pick up another win. It's been a good 2024, hasn't it, so far for Ten Hag's side. You can question the quality of the opponents, but in the end, that is four wins and one draw for Manchester United in 2024. Kieran Gibbs, uh, still West Gab Marcotti as well. Uh, Kieran, in the end, United getting it done again. Yeah, they've clicked into gear a little bit. The, the, the shackles, the shackles are off. They're starting to play with a bit more freedom. They're uh, they're, they're working for each other a little bit more. It seems you know they're, they're hunting the ball back in packs uh, when they when they give it away. They're just starting to look uh, a bit more of a team. Uh, I'm going to give it. I'm going to give most of that credit to, to Garnacho and, and Cobby mainly. Um, Cobby's brought stability and, and quality in the midfield. And Garnacho's just running riot like I, like I thought he would. I was screaming for him from the start of the season. Those kids, for me, have, you know, they're, they're reviving this Man United team at the minute and taking a, taking a lot of pressure, actually, off of, off of Ten Hag and United as a whole, for me. They've been that good. Be, would have wondered what, where they would have been at without without these young boys. Of course, there's a great picture of them on set, uh, sat on the side. You had Maynou, of course, Garnacho, and Hoyland as well. Are you as optimistic for United? <laughs> well, I think, I think when you win games, regardless of the opposition, it, it builds everybody, uh, pulls everybody together, uh, and everybody's firing in the right direction. So the fact that they've had a run of games, other than Spurs, which they drew, they've had a run of games of when they should, where they should win, mm-hmm. and they have won. Yep. Whereas previously they've had, a, had games where they should win, and they haven't been able to. So they've taken a step in the right direction. I, I'm not ready to get my trumpet out yet. Oh, that way. okay. Oh. It's uh, staying right That's in the... a trombone, Stephen. <laughs> Come on, you know your brass instruments <laughs> that, was that. That. That, that, was that was for Mariner. That was for Mariner. That was a Mariner trumpet. Yeah, it was. Kieran gave a shout-out to young guys. I'm going to give a shout-out to one of the older guys that has been criticised quite a bit because of his inability to keep up with the pace of the game in the Premier League, and that is Casemiro. That today, I don't know about other games, but today you saw something close to what Casemiro can bring to this team. And in particular, the first goal, he's actually the one that is stepping forward to win a ball, which we don't often see at this point in his career from Casemiro. He also gave this team balance, gives leadership, gives a presence in the midfield. Now, to be fair, West Ham didn't have a player like, say, for example, Lucas Paqueta, who can run around Casemiro and can drive him crazy, and that frees him up to do some things offensively, and certainly it's a lot more comfortable defensively. But today, Casemiro was really good for Manchester United. I've got top four odds here. Are we showing top four odds with Manchester United in them? No. Wow. All right, then. Here we go, then. Let's take a look at the top four odds. United 10 to 1. They currently sit eight points adrift of Aston Villa, who are your second favourites. In fact, Spurs are your favourites. Odds on uh, to make it into the top four. Uh, Will the Gab Millions be going on 10 to 1, Mr. Marcotti? Uh... 10 to 1 are really good odds, but uh, no. Also, because I remember, just, just checking, you guys are talking about Manchester United, right? They they played Wolves in midweek, yes. am I right? And yes. they conceded three goals. This is the same Manchester United. 
They gave up three goals that needed copy minus heroics in the fourth minute of injury time. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's going to take a while before we talk about them being on a, on a great run of performance. But it is encouraging what the kids are doing. And you know what? I think we should give all the credit because this turnaround coincides with, with Sir Jim Ratcliffe showing up to games. So clearly oh, it's him. The man hang. He's so sarcastic. Isn't he? uh, it's still sarcastic. <laughs> no, when the, the new boss in town. Uh, uh, yes, uh, there you go. Karen Manchester. There's a new boss in town. Everybody's working harder. You know how it is. Yeah, I know. Aren't you all the bosses meeting tomorrow? Isn't our producer oh, coming to see you tomorrow, Gav, for a go. big uh, writer's meeting? Oh, wow. That's why I'm behaving. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Start bringing out some of your top work. Uh, Karen, top four United? No. No, that's fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we got enough going on today. We don't need to stretch this out. Uh, extra time is available over on our YouTube channel. Um, Don and his weird eyebrows are still there. Uh, be sure uh, to check it out. It's like half and half going on. I don't on. know what's happened to them. It's weird. I think he lost a bet. <laughs> Big game today in Italy. Davide Italia would see Inter beat Juventus by one goal to nil to extend their lead at the top of the table to four points. They also have a game in hand as well. Gab Marcotti, of course, watching this for us. Gab, big statement. Uh, big statement. Uh, big grown-up performance, uh, I, I think we could say from Inter, where you know, sometimes we talk about younger players, older players. I think Inter's older players uh, know how to run a game, whether it's, it's Shalinoglu, uh, Mkhitaryan, uh, wherever, wherever you want to chuck in there. Uh, they got a little bit fortunate on the goal itself in the sense that it was a got-the-own goal that couldn't be avoided. Uh, but they had plenty of other chances. Juve's best chance coming with Dusan Vlaovic, who had, I think, one of the worst controls of his life uh, oh. when he would have been one-on-one -on -one with, uh, with Jan Zommer. And uh, then beyond that, Inter had a really good chance to make it to make it two. But uh, Marko Arnautovic, uh, again, probably the last guy in the world you wanted to uh, finish that chance, uh, despite the fact that he plays center forward for a living. Uh, but Chesney coming up big there. So it was close at the end. Uh, but but I think really Inter deserved the three points. And I think they feel that they're in the driver's seat now. Yeah, very much in the driver's seat. How much so, Gab, percentage-wise? Um, I think the game in hand is, is really, really big. Uh, so I'm going to go, I'm going to give them a 65% at this stage. It's still Inter. They still have a capacity to crumble. And obviously they've got European football, which, which Juventus don't. But, you know, who knows? It could all be over next month as far as uh, Champions League is concerned. So, um, yeah, I'd say 65% to me sounds right. Uh, Gab Marconi, as always, thank you very much. A lot more from Gab on the latest edition of the Gab and Jules podcast. I imagine that'll be a bumper show as well. That drops on Monday. Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. 
With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. The big game in Spain would see Real Madrid draw against Atletico Madrid. Uh, Brahim Diaz, who started because Vinicius Jr. got injured in the warm-up with open the scoring in the 20th minute. It looked like that would be enough to see Real Madrid take all three points. But in the end, that makeshift back four of Real Madrid would crack Llorente with the goal and it would finish 1-1. Uh, for more on this, let's welcome in uh, Luis Garcia. Ooh, I'd like to be breathing a sigh of relief, won't they, Luis? <laughs> yeah, definitely. And the, the ones that they are more happy than ever is Barcelona, because in the end, both of the teams uh, got uh, dropped two points. But Atletico Madrid, I think they should have done a little bit better. In the second half, even with the changes, you could see the reaction was a little bit there, a little bit down but never with the intensity or the desire, the determination to go for it, uh, to go and win it. I think they, they have too much respect to, to Real Madrid. And if you want to be or if you're going to be able to win Real Madrid, it's right now when they don't have defense, the people is out of position, they don't have the, one of the best strikers playing. If you want to win Real Madrid, it's right now. If you don't go for it, there's not going to be any other chance. And Real Madrid did what they have to do. They scored the first goal. They dominated, they controlled the game all overall in the 90 minutes. And in the end, they could have scored even one or two more goals. But uh, it was enough to get that point that uh, I think for Atletico Madrid, they are likely to have it. It's interesting take on it, Ali, mm. in the fact that given the vulnerability that was there for Real Madrid, of course, no Rudiger, mentioned Militao, I mean, Alaba as well, that they didn't go for it. So in the end, are Real Madrid happy that they only got the point despite the fact they dominated so much? Like, who's the happier team? So, quietly, I think Carlo Ancelotti ahead of the game, given the absence of Vinny Jr. as well, he may have thought, you know what, we'll take a point out of this right. and move on with our lives, right? And we don't, we don't allow Atletico Madrid back in the race. We don't believe Barcelona's in the race and it leaves us with playing Girona next week at home to decide. Which could be five points then, couldn't it, of course? Yes, and so to decide everything for us. So it's still everything in front of us. Quietly, I think Ancelotti would have said that before the game. However, how the game was played yeah. and how much you actually controlled it and how many opportunities you actually had on the counter where you see Valverde running with the ball, where you see Bellingham running with the ball, and it's now a question of picking out the right pass, making the right decision with the opportunities that you created in the second half and you get into at a time and you're leading the match, you'll be, I think, if you're Ancelotti and Real Madrid, completely and absolutely disappointed that you don't walk out of here with three points because it's three points that does a couple of things. Three points that create some separation from Girona. It's three points that, that puts away Atletico Madrid completely from the conversation. It seems like a wasted opportunity from Real Madrid's perspective, given how the game went. It's also disappointing to see Atletico Madrid 
in this sort of scenario, not being willing to do the things that they have done this season, in fact, over the last month, to affect the way that Real Madrid play and actually score goals against Real Madrid. Swing balls in. Yep. Utilize the width. And now that you have a made-up, and I mean made-up center-back pairing, why are they not swinging balls in and trying to see, you know what, let's see if these guys can defend balls in the air. Truth of the matter is, is that whenever they did swing balls in, whether it was from corner kicks or set pieces or whenever they had isolated moments to swing the ball in, they had difficulties defending Real Madrid. I don't know why Atletico Madrid went away from that. So to answer your question, I think they're both disappointed. Yeah, mm-hmm. everyone's disappointed. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of disappointment, Stevie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm very disappointed. <laughs> yeah, I, I, pretty much what Ali said. Uh, Stevie, just explain, like, why... Why can't Nacho or Carvajal head that ball? What is it in their psyche? What is it in their DNA? What is it in their normal play that, that stops them from doing it? Because it's unnatural for them. It's not a natural thing for them to do, to, to straightforward attack the ball. You know, when you're playing, they're both fullbacks, basically. And when you're playing fullback, generally when the ball's in the air in the penalty box, you, you're used to your centre-backs dealing with it. Right. Sometimes you're used to your centre-backs shoving you out the road. Who's going with it? Nacho or Carvajal? I would, I would suggest Carvajal. He's, he gets a run at it. Nacho's a little bit disorientated. He's going backwards. So Carvajal, for me, should have been the one attacking it. But when it's not in your makeup, those things can happen. And sometimes you can get away with it. But unfortunately, on this occasion, they couldn't get away with it. It was just so obvious that you've got two guys in a position where they're helping out and they're not expected to do the job that you would normally associate with a centre-back. And to your point, Stevie, you actually see Caro Ajal doubting. As that ball comes on, goes up in the air, he, it, it, it's, a, it's a second count in which he's just like, I don't know, it's not me. And that is that natural reaction that you're talking about. If you are, if you are let's just say, for sake of argument, Antonio Rudiger, who wasn't playing today, he is running through people to get to that header. I'm going to win that right. ball. He's Whereas Carvajal is just kind of sat there like, ah. It's just not naturally in his game. Yeah. Well, it's not what you do. Right. It's not typically what you do. It's in, and as that ball pops in the air, there's one guy attacking. It's Marco Llorente. Think about, again, if it were Militao, if it were Antonio Rudiger in particular, who's missing today. He is going through people to get to that ball first. That wasn't quite the case today. I don't think we should forget if there was a guy called Kurtwango. Right. I, I think he would. And have he's coming out and just going. Yeah, because the ball, the ball's gone about forty foot in the air. Right. So the goalkeeper, in my opinion, mm. should have been taking it away from everybody and taking control of it as well. So I mean, it's just one thing compounds another. Uh, Luis, we've seen a lot of noise around referees, haven't we, over the last few weeks? And no one will have a jot of sympathy unless you're a Real Madrid fan for the fact that they weren't awarded a penalty today. Do you think that is influencing things? Do you think they should have had at least one? Uh, it's not that they, they, they should have at least one. They, they should have the ones that they have to uh, to see or they, they, they are already happening. But uh, the, uh, we are going to go again and again and again. We thought again that the VAR was here just to, to make it all clear. And as soon as there is yeah, about interpretation and all the circumstances of you know, today is about interpretation. Is the penalty from Cabajal enough? Is, is Saul stopping him enough? Is, is that power enough? It's about what I think. 
is the, 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 the goal that he was disallowed for Atletico in Madrid? Is, is the player for real deserving the, the keeper of going to get the ball? It's about what I think that is happening. It's about what I see that is happening. It's not, it's not about a rule. And as soon as there is a person that mm. has to take the decision, we're going to be in this situation. Yet, for me, it's a goal. No, for you, it's not a goal. So, or for me, it's a penalty. And for you, it's not a penalty. So we are not going to get 100% of everything at all in the coming, um, in the coming years. So something has to change or something has to um, uh, go for a, a small details because in the end, it's about what I, everyone's um, view. And of course, we all have our, our own view. So yeah, today I think there is a couple of situations where should I go to the other side, but the interpretation of the referee was different. So what all that means is that Real Madrid taking on Girona next weekend could see Carlo Ancelotti's side go five points clear at the top of the table, or indeed you could see Girona go back to first place in La Liga. Looking at that, Luis, and looking at that tie, uh, obviously Real Madrid would have preferred a bigger cushion, but the pressure, without a doubt, isn't it? It's fair to say is going to be on Girona. Is that fair going into this game? Yeah, we can call it that the, uh, the pressure is on Girona. Let's don't forget that the Girona should be fighting to don't be relegated. Mm. And they are in the top four for quite a long time and challenging for uh, the La Liga, of course. On the feeling is that if we win it, we are going to go ahead and we can continue fighting for it. But uh, I don't think that the pressure, and I'm sure that Mitchell is going to try to put that clear on the players. Listen, go outside and try to play as you always play. Don't change a bit. Don't feel the pressure. Don't try to play to be dominant, to have the ball, as we've seen them uh, enjoying for the past uh, eight months. But I think that the pressure should be over there. For Real Madrid, is another game like they play every single weekend and playing at home. As you can see today, uh, it's, it's, it's just having fun. They play, it doesn't matter who is playing, because in the end, they are in cruise control. They win the games, they, or they draw like today, and they keep going. So it will be Real Madrid against Girona live next Saturday. That game will be available on ESPN Plus with our coverage starting at noon Eastern. After the game, Brahim Diaz spoke about his performance. I'm happy with what I'm doing. Uh, I think uh, I could be better for sure. Uh, I can improve more. Uh, I can be a better player. Uh, but of course, with the experience, with the minutes, I will be even better. I am in nice perform, but I'm sure uh, I will be in another level as soon as I get more minutes. Uh, Alex Kirkland joins us, who is at the press conferences of both Ancelotti and Simeone. Let's start with Ancelotti. You must be disappointed, Alex. Yes, but he was trying to put a brave face on it, really. He was trying to say, look, let's stay calm. We're still top of the table. We've still got this lead over Girona. And he kept talking about this big opportunity they've got next weekend against Girona here at the Bernabeu. But, of course, it's hard to avoid the fact that, yes, they could have been going into that game four points clear of Girona at the top of the table and not just the two points. If you can face Girona, your biggest title rivals, with a four-point margin, knowing that even if Girona pull off a win here, you're still top of the table, that's massive. As it is, that's not the case. It's just a two-point lead over, over Girona after that late draw. And, and like I said, Antotti trying as, as best he could to say, look, don't worry, stay calm, lots of positives. Yes, we conceded, but the team played well. He said, look, we score a lot of late goals. We have a lot of comebacks. So, you know, if it happens against us once in a while, we can't complain too much. Uh, how much, meanwhile, was uh, people asking, questioning Simeone's tactics going into this, given the vulnerability of Real Madrid and the injuries? Was there any sort of a sense of a missed opportunity? 
Yeah, Atletico a little bit disappointing, I think. And Simeone actually echoed that in his press conference. He described it as a, a strange game, a game in which neither team was really at their best. Um, he was happy enough. He said, look, if you get a point away from home on the road, especially at a place like this, it's no bad thing. Um, but he admitted that Atletico weren't, weren't great. You know, he said it was a weird one because Real Madrid dominated maybe a lot of the possession. Atletico had one or two good chances, but overall Real Madrid were on top and, and led, obviously, for, for most of the game as well. So, yeah, Simeone admitting it was, it was a peculiar game and it certainly didn't live up to some of the other derbies we've seen earlier this season when these two teams have, have met. Uh, Alex, did uh, Ancelotti touch on any of the injuries? Obviously, he said all week that Rudiger would be fine. Clearly not. <laughs> Vinicius Jr. getting injured in the warm-up. Did he touch on those at all? Yeah, he did. He said, look, hopefully we'll have um, Antonio Rudiger back for that Gironi game next weekend. He talked about this kind of emergency situation in defence, which saw today uh, Danny Carver how drafted into centre-back. He said, look, that's a one-off because Rudiger should be back. You know, Rudiger was, was trying. He was trying to make it back for the day. He still wasn't quite right, had some discomfort, but he should be fine for next weekend. And uh, Chuamani will be back from suspension as well. So that emergency at the back should be resolved by the time that Girona are here uh, next weekend. As for Vinicius, he said, yes, look, he had this, this discomfort, this back problem. He, was, he felt it in the warm-up and he wasn't able to, uh, to start. And they went for Brahim Diaz over Joselu from the start because Brahim meant they didn't have to change their defensive setup too much, swapping him in for Vinicius. That turned out to be a great call, of course, with, uh, with Brahim uh, scoring the opening goal. And, and we heard from him in the, in the mix zone there, another really good performance from Brahim Diaz, probably the man of the match. But Vinicius, we're not sure... If this back problem is just it's just a one-off. We're told he, he felt it over the last few days. Um, I don't think it's expected to be something that would keep him out long-term and, and maybe not even for, for next week. But certainly the defence should be a lot stronger next weekend. And thank goodness, because you saw the Real Madrid defending for that late equaliser, mm. the way that, that Nacho and Carvajal were all over the place for, um, for Llorente's header. And you want the likes of Antonio Rudiger back in there as soon as possible. Uh, good man, Alex. Thank you very much for Atletico Madrid. Their attention turns from the league to the Copa del Rey this week as they take on Athletic Club. Should be a cracking couple of legs there. And before that, it's Mallorca against Real Sociedad. Those games live on ESPN+. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. That is it. You want to say something, Stevie? Goodbye. No, oh, not goodbye. There's still extra time. Doing. I thought maybe you had something to add from what we were talking. No? Right. All right. Thank All right. you, Stevie. Well, Kieran is back for e extra time. Be <laughs> sure to stay with us. I'll be soon. Oh, OK. There oh, we are. All right. Welcome into the latest edition of Extra Time. Thank you, as always, for your tweets. Hello again. <laughs> hello. Yes, hello, Stephen. Uh, the agony of Liverpool and their horrible defeats. Mm. Uh, the juxtaposition of that, the ecstasy. Kieran uh -huh. Gibbs, very delighted, obviously. Uh, Arsenal with their victory. Kieran is here, I promise. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's not. Uh -huh. And I is. There he is. Uh, he, there he is. He remain home. Remain uh, home. Stevie, which Liverpool player underperformed today? Oof. Wow. Dear, dear. All right. Well, that's a trick question. <laughs> which one didn't? <laughs> okay. Um, is that easier? Absolutely. Come on then. <laughs> who underperformed? And you said you wanted to say oh, well, who, who underperformed? Right? Who, who performed then? Who performed? Who gets a pass today? Yeah. Um, 
No, nobody gets a pass. No, no one gets Actually, a pass. No, nobody no. gets a pass. No, take that. No, no. It was everyone across, underperformed. Across the board. Yes. It was uh, very, very poor. Oh no. Liverpool Echo. <laughs> poor. Uh, Kieran, do you think the prestige of Barcelona as a club could pull Arteta away from Arsenal? <laughs> Uh, not right now. Not right now. I don't think so. I think he's, you know, he's really turned the club around. You know, he loves Arsenal dearly. It was, um, it meant a lot to him, his time there. Uh, he always wanted to coach there. And, you know, he's got the fans behind him at the moment. You know, he's, he's doing a great job there. I don't see why he would go for Barcelona right now. For the boys, poor Jules, Mbappe is going to Real Madrid this summer. Where does this leave the second best left winger in the world in Vinicius Junior? Do you play them both on the field and what is your setup if you do? How do you set this one up, Ali? Well, Mbappe has said that he won't play or doesn't like to play down the middle. Uh, if I'm Carlo Ancelotti or whoever the manager may be for Real Madrid, we assume it will be Ancelotti. Uh, hey, uh, Killian, come here. Come here, Killian. Look, this is how it's going to work out. You got this guy over here in Vinny Junior who's gonna create chances for you. And then we got this guy over here coming from behind, Jude Bellingham, that's also gonna create chances for you. And then we have Rodrigo over there on the right-hand side, who's also gonna create chances for you. And guess what? That means that you're gonna score a lot of goals. It's not that bad. It's not, it's not a bad life Stevie's, to have. Stevie's pulling it, I'm not buying it. Okay. No. Hey, I'm just, not, hey, I'm not buying a, what I'm you're saying, saying. I'm saying that that's a conversation I would have with him if I were Carlo Ancelotti. And if he's scoring goals and winning titles is not enough, then I don't know what else I can do for you, Killian. And the reason I pull the face is because, you know, it's 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 a conversation that on the face of it is absolutely the right conversation. Oh. Unfortunately, I think he's probably had this conversation before. I've got this guy Messi. <laughs> and I've and I've I've got Neymar on this side. You're gonna yeah. get you play through the middle, you're gonna get your goals. No, I didn't. He wasn't happy with that. But I think the so difference he, he there, well, the difference there is that you're dealing with a different type of personalities when you talk about Neymar and Lionel Messi. And Lionel Messi is just Messi, and, and the whole, all of what it means to play alongside Messi. And Neymar wanted all the balls for himself, and Kylian Mbappe wanted all the balls for himself. And guess what? Neither one of them were getting balls because if anybody's going to have the ball, it's Lionel Messi. I don't think that that's quite the case with this, Vinny with this guy. Vinny's not interested in the ball. No, but I, I think that Vinny doesn't mind having a guy, as we saw when he was playing alongside Karim Benzema, having a guy that they're balancing off of each other, playing off of each other. I just, I just don't think a guy who's got so much to say like Mbappe is, is and who quite clearly has told us uh, plenty of times that he prefers down the left, is going to go somewhere and he's not going to have a conversation of where am I going to play. And if they say you're playing through the middle, he's going to go, well, that's all right, I'll play through the middle, but I prefer to play on the left. I don't think so. He's playing on the left. Kieran, how have Chelsea spent a quarter of a billion dollars on midfielders and still don't have a better one than Jorginho? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, I, I don't think that Caicedo or... Enzo, I'm going to stick with Caicedo because you know I really liked his season at Brighton. I don't think he's a worse player than Jorginho. Um, I think he's got a lot of raw talent, but you just got to find the best way to fit him into a team. Um, this, this Chelsea team is just not, is just not not fitting for him. 
So I, I don't think he's a worse player. I just think he's, he's in a worse team. What is Chelsea's predominant problem? Players with talent, but no cohesiveness with teammates. Players with no talent, poor coaching decisions, or something else. <laughs> All of the above. <laughs> I just don't, I, it seems like they don't have, because there's so many young players, that is a real problem. You know, you, you need experience. When you're young, you need some experience around you. And it seems like you can pull out Enzo's got a World Cup winner's medal, but in football terms, his experience isn't huge. But some players don't have great football brains. You know, right. some players are good at, like Mudrik, for example. In an open game with plenty of space, with the pace he has, will probably look good because of that. But in terms of football brain, does he really have a good football brain? It doesn't seem like it. Kieran, how do you kind of, like we've talked before about how it's, you kind of need it to be organic for, for teammates to gel and get on, you know, you go out for a night out, these sort of things help. Like, what do you do to try and get this team more together? I mean, you can try it. I don't think any night out's gonna, gonna, gonna solve this, by the way. Um, but I think back to Stevie's point, they have, they have a lot of talent, they have a lot of raw talent, they have good technical players, but they don't have like that streetwise football intelligence that you need to win games or to, 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 to grind out results or, you know, they, they, they just have actual talent. And, and in the Premier League, you will just get found out so quickly if you lack that, if, if you show naivety, you know, enough times that, that Chelsea has, you're going to give teams too much hope. No, no, no team in the Premier League at the moment is, is going to Stamford Bridge and thinking, ah, oh, this is, we're, we're going to struggle here. There's, there's just not, there's just not, and they've, they've lost that completely. And once you lose that, it's really hard to get it back, actually. Um, and I think it comes down from a, a lack of just that know-how. Um, you know, it, it is experience, but it's that kind of streetwise football IQ that, you know, you don't play around with it if your team's low on confidence at the back in the first 10 minutes of the game to give to give the other team a sniff, you know? And I think they show too many signs of that. And I think that that's, that's what is causing their, a lot of their problems. For your question, Dan, when you're struggling in the way that Chelsea are, Zero chance that the players are getting together, right? That's the last thing you want to do. Is everyone just looking after themselves? Well, y well, yes, it's a natural reaction to protect what's yours. And so you go in a shell and it's the worst thing that you can do because this is when you got to be more together than ever. But the natural, the human reaction and the reality of those locker rooms is that they get fractured, they separate and everybody goes their own way. And when you come to training, you can't wait to be done with training and you can't wait to go home because you don't want to be in that environment where everything seems to be poisoned. Kieran, now that Hoyland is scoring regularly in the league, is it fair to say talk about him in the first half of the season was an overreaction? Yeah, of course, especially in, you know, United's situation, he was thrusted in at 19, 20 years old and expected to just have a monster season. Um, you know, now we're starting to see the other players flourish in the team. 
you're starting to really see his his qualities. Um, you know, he, he he has the profile, and now, you know, when he has that finishing touch, I thought he took his goal brilliantly mm. today. Um, and I think that just you know another couple of moments like that, and a strong second half of the season could give him the confidence to to be a real player. Stevie, as someone who went through it yourself. Do you empathise with Klopp and Xavi saying they're exhausted from coaching? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because... I mean, coaching, coaching on the face of it is about the game, the, the, the hour and a half in the game, and, and the, the training during the yeah. day. A couple but of hours not, every day training, yeah? But it's not. It is 24-7. Your phone... So think about it. My phone never stopped, and I was coaching in MLS. Yeah. Which... Who's calling you? Players, <laughs> agents, just you name it. Right. So the league to find you. Administrators, <laughs> just everybody and anybody to do with football is right. calling you because 99 decisions out of 100 end up with you. You were the one that makes the decision. Whether it's what time do we get to play and do we get the 8 o'clock playing or do we get to 10 o'clock? Or do we, do we stay over two nights? Or just a thousand, a thousand things constantly fired at you. Right. And that, get that, that wears you down more than the football. But if you add that you're losing games as well, boy, does that, everything just piles and piles and piles. And, and Stevie, with all due respect, you weren't getting the uh, criticism from the media 24-7. Oh. Like, Say, for example, Xavi gets in at Barcelona. Or Klopp from Stevie. Uh, oh, yes, that too. And, and so, it, and that you're being asked the same questions over and over again, and it, it becomes, again, a, it's a difficult environment. I, and you saw Xavi, whenever he announced it 10 days ago or yes. whatever it was, he was beat down, man. Yes. Yeah, like, worn out, beat down. Yeah, and he doubled down you on that to, this week as well. Yeah, you have to be able, you have to be able to brush things off really easily. Yeah, I couldn't. Really? No, I, I. Well, it's not ten years. But you're quite happy sitting here criticising everyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, but I love criticising you. Let me tell you, <laughs> that's, that's not very nice. That's is it? Me that's not very nice, is it? You should have learned from it. Yeah. Had a little bit more no, empathy. If, 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 if you, if you. If you think about it, or you overthink it, and think about the losing too much, right? It drives you. It drives you insane. You have to be able to just brush things off, figure it out why it happened. Okay, I can do this to change it, and forget about it. But it's not easy. I wish you'd go back into coaching. Oh, oh no! Oh, it'd be brilliant. It'd be a treat. A treat, a treat for everybody. Every game. Oh, no. <laughs> I'll be FaceTiming you after every match. <laughs> <laughs> What could possibly go wrong? Yeah. Uh, Ali, oh. with VAR apparently not working out so well in England and Spain, what is Germany doing right with it? You really don't hear issues with the implementation in Germany. I, I think one of the things that is very clear in covering Bundesliga yes. as much as we do is they're very quick with it. That's one thing. So it doesn't, it doesn't create this environment of sort of questions coming from the outside. Do they really know what they're doing? They look at the video. And it all happens very quickly. And for the most part, the referee is not called over to go and see the replay. The VAR official takes a look, makes a decision, and if there is there is no doubt one way or the other, doesn't even get the referee involved. And when the referee does get involved, again, it all happens very quickly. So they're in and out within a minute and a half, two minutes max. 
Final question. We, of course, saw the announcement today of the stadiums that will host games in the 2026 World Cup. Ali, do you think FIFA got it right putting the final at the MetLife Stadium? I, I know why they're doing it, right? It's, it's the appeal of, of New York City. I, I would have put it in uh, the Cowboys Stadium in Dallas, AT&T Stadium. Uh, just because I think you give, you give access to a broader number of people to come and watch the game. I understand that New York is New York, and, and when it comes to this sort of events, they usually tend to get the uh, benefit of the doubt because of the presence of New York City, I think should have been in a more central position, a central place, and what better certain place with the airport, with the infrastructure, with everything else that you have in Dallas. I think they have eight games in that stadium, so they have quite a lot. No, well, I'm, you, you asked me about the final. You I didn't know, ask just, me about the other eight saying, games. I'm completely ignored. Uh, that is it. <laughs> that brings us to the end of the show. Kieran, thank you very much. Thank you to Stevie and Ali. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow for more Manchester City, of course, in action against Brentford. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They're the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled, and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C, ebikes.com.